Welcome to the When's My Time podcast. I'm Ozzy Eyre, founder of whensmytime.com, and I aim to be your boss's worst nightmare. It's Tuesday the 13th of December 2016, and here it's been a bit of a a dank drich day, as they would say uh, around these parts. Uh, but um, but it's still a good day. It's any, look any day that we're above ground is a good day, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, let's crack on with it now. I'm going to be a little bit controversial. Um, I was going to say I'm sorry for that, but no, I'm not sorry for it. You see, here's here's the thing. I think the personal development industry has let us down. I do. I think it's left us open to confusion, to failure, to disappointment, to wondering if it's all our fault. And why do I do that? Well, of late, and you can't have failed to have noticed this, and when I say of late, I mean over the last 20 years or so, the advice from the personal development world, um, or a lot of it at least, no, that's a sweeping generalisation to say the advice, but a heck of a lot of the advice from the personal development world uh, could be boiled down into follow your passion. Follow your passion. What are you passionate about? Go and do that. Which is a great, it's a great idea. It's a lovely sentiment, isn't it? But here's the thing. What if you don't have anything you're really passionate about? What if you're sort of person who has lots of interests, but none of them is all-consuming? That, I mean, that's exactly the, the position I, I found myself in. There are lots of things that I'm interested in. And lots of things that I've been more interested in at certain times in my life than other times. Some things that I would take up and do nothing else for two, three, four, five months. They, they, they were all consuming at that time. But there certainly weren't things that I would say uh, were lifelong passions. There were things that I was interested in and very interested in for a, a relatively short period of time. But in the main, um, there... There are lots of things that I have an interest in, but I wouldn't say I was passionate about. And even if there were all-consuming all passions and maybe lifelong passions as well, something is at the back of my mind that in a lot of cases, not all cases, in a lot of cases, making a career out of that passion might actually spoil it. Now, I know I'm swimming against the tide here. I know I am. But I'll give you the example. Probably the one thing that's come in, sort of woven itself in and out of my life more than any of the other interests, stroke, momentary passions that I've had has been photography. And my earliest memory of, of photography being of an interest to me was when I was very small, probably about five or six years old. My uncle, back in the 1960s, was a photographer for a pop magazine, a weekly pop magazine, pop music magazine. So he used to go backstage, take photos of the pop stars of the day and that sort of stuff. And of course, I mean, as a kid, this was fantastic for me. Once, and it was only the once, my uncle took me into the dark room and showed me how he developed the pictures. Now, for anybody who's been born in the last 20, 30 years, probably not even aware 
of how photographs were developed in the, in the old days, you know, in the pre-digital age, that you had to develop the film in the dark and you had to develop the images in the dark. But there was this magic, there was this, this red light that was in the dark room, and it was a magical thing whereby the, the paper, the photograph, a special po- photographic paper was exposed to light um, through a light was shone through the negative and onto the uh, onto the paper, and then this paper was slipped into this fluid, into this tray filled with this fluid, and under this red light, my uncle gently agitated this fluid, and under this red light, this image, as if by magic, would appear on the paper, and I, I was captivated. I remembered this all through my childhood and into my teens. And when it came to my 21st birthday, I was given some money and, and I bought my first proper camera. I'd, I'd had sort of sort of point-and-shoot things, but I've bought my first SLR camera. This is pre-DSLR. bought my first SLR camera and I was hooked again until that camera broke. And not only did the camera broke, I was broke and I couldn't afford to fix it. And so for a few years again photography went out of my life and it's been in and out of my life uh, for a long period of time until about 10 12 years ago i actually took a course on dark uh, a darkroom course a photography course and i had a blast and i then having learned how to do that i built myself a, a darkroom here uh, at my house and it i'll be honest it's probably three or four years since i i went into it it's not just a darkroom it's a room that can function as a dark room. It functions for other things as well. But periodically, I will get the passion for it, shall we say. I will get into it again and start taking photographs, the old style, with film and into the dark room. And uh, it, it becomes all-encompassing at that time. That was probably the closest thing that I got to a passion. So given the logic of the uh, the, the personal development world... I should follow that. I should follow photography as, as my passion, make it my career. But I don't want to. And why don't I want to? Because unless you have exceptional talent, unless you have exceptional skill, and unless you have, certainly in, in the early stages, I would suggest, uh, an independent income, the jobs in photography you will get are doing what somebody else wants you to do. They're not doing the projects you choose. Does that make sense? So you may have a passion for landscape photography. But if you get a job with a local newspaper, because that's the only job you can get as a photographer, they don't want you to do that. They want you to go around to the village fates, or they want you to go to the mother and baby show, or they want you to go to report on, I don't know, uh, the latest store opening in town or doorstep the politician who's got himself into trouble. Those are the sort of things that you get sent to do and you have to do those things. So I, I don't want to do something like that because that would spoil the passion for me. It would drain it from what I wanted to do. Does that make sense? Anyway, I've got I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there whenever you ever know me do that. But here's the thing, what if your interest does change, though? Because I've said I have, uh, and I don't think I'm totally peculiar in this because I've spoken to other people about it, I have lots of things that I'm interested in 
very few that I would want to spend the rest of my life doing. But even if you have got something that right now you feel, yeah, this is absolutely fantastic. I couldn't get enough of this. What if your interest changes? Just think back five years. Were you feeling the same way then? Were you as enthusiastic about it then? 10 years? 15 years? What were the things that were really interesting you then, that were really involving you then? Are they the same as involving you now? And if that if they're different, surely that's true if we look forward five years, 10 years, 15 years, yeah? So I think there's a danger in that. I have to tell you, there's been times when I've been listening to somebody in personal development and they've been telling me that I need to start with my passion, that I've been thinking, there must be something wrong with me. I'm, I'm getting this wrong. It's my fault because I can't think of doing that. Now, again, I don't think I'm too unusual in that. I talk to a lot of people who feel exactly the same. People who, when I talk to them, say, oh, thanks. Thanks for actually bringing that up because I thought there was something wrong with me. So look, if you've been feeling that, if you've been feeling that there's something wrong with you because these guys keep telling you find your passion and go with that, and you're thinking, well, what passion? Don't worry about it. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. There are plenty of us who feel exactly the same. But we still need to do something about it. We still need to figure out if we want a fulfilling life. We still need to figure out what it is we're going to do. Look, if we set all of that aside, if we assume that you have something that you've always been passionate about, you've had this deep-held passion for, and you are thinking that maybe these guys in the personal development world have got this right. I have to tell you, I watched a video recently, and the, and the guy talking was telling us about this Canadian survey of 500 students. And they were talking to them about what was their passion. What were they passionate about? And 80, fully 80% of them answered that it was either sport-related or dance. Specifically dance, not just the arts in general, specifically dance. So sport or dance were the things that they were, they were interested in, that, that they would love to make a career out of. Here's the problem with that. I, it'd be fantastic if they could. And if they were as passionate about it in 50 years when they're ending their career as they are at the start, I mean, I'd love that for them. But here's the thing. The people who were doing the survey also looked at the jobs that were available. And it seemed that only 3% of jobs were in those fields, in the sports and arts arena. 3%, 80%, 8-0, not one eight eight zero percent said their passion was either sport or dance, but only 3% of jobs were in those fields. So if only 10% decided to follow their passion, the majority of that 10% are still going to fail. Okay, I don't want to pour cold water on this idea entirely, though, because I think it is fantastic if you can be passionate about what you do. But how about, instead of starting with the passion, let's flip it around. Let's start by asking, when do I feel most fulfilled? What gives me the biggest buzz? Now, typically, I think this is true. I mean, it's certainly true for me. And I think, I, and again, I don't think I'm an outlier in this. Typically, it's when we do something for someone else 
that we feel most valued. So how about we make that the start point? How about instead of thinking about our passions and beginning from there, think about how you can be of value? What knowledge or skills do you have that can help others? And develop them both so you maximise your value and increase your significance. The more difference you make, the more people will appreciate you. And the more people appreciate you, the more fulfilled you'll feel. And the more fulfilled you feel, the more you'll be inclined to work to increase that value. It's a virtuous circle. You start off by adding value, which people appreciate. They appreciate it. You feel fulfilled. You feel fulfilled. You work harder to be of more value. And around and around and around it goes. And before you know it, you might even develop a passion for it. So how about that? We turn it around on its head. Let's not take the start point of what's our passion. Let's take the start point of how can we be of most value and do that. Hope that's helped. Look, if it has, don't forget, don't be shy, tell your friends about this podcast and head over to iTunes, subscribe, that way you're not going to miss another episode. And while you're over there, leave me a review and a bunch of stars because that helps this podcast rise in the rankings. Look, if you want to get in touch, you can do so at Aussie, that's O-double-Z-Y or O-double-Z-Y at whensmytime.com, Aussie at whensmytime.com. And you can also hit me up on Twitter at Aussie Air, that's O-double-Z-Y or O-double-Z-Y-E-Y-R-E at Aussie Air. And let me know what you like best about this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you as I look forward to hooking up with you again in the next podcast. In the meantime, thank you so much indeed for listening. I've been Aussie Air, founder of whensmytime.com. And I'm here to tell you, your time is now. <laughs>